than that. I am uh, teaching to you from Galatians, and I've got to be honest, I feel like uh, there's, a, there's a verse in the Bible that, that says we are like clay pots uh, pouring out treasure. We're holding treasure. Uh, I feel a little bit like that today, like unworthy to give you uh, any commentary other than what Paul can give to the church in Galatia. I have fallen in love uh, with this book of the Bible, and to be honest, I've been intimidated by it uh, in the past. I would jump right to the end and, and listen to the, the fruits of the Spirit, right? That's something I can grab onto, or like the works of the flesh. That's something I identify with very much. And there's this like nerdy theological stuff in the middle where Paul's making all these arguments. And uh, I, was, I was intimidated by that uh, for, for a while. But honestly, we've been teaching through the book of Genesis, and that has helped me to understand that it's one story, understanding who God is. He didn't change over time. It's one story. From, from the very beginning, God wanted one type of relationship with us, and there wasn't a series of moves and maneuvers to help adjust to all the times that we've made mistakes. He had one story, one plan of redemption for his people. Before I start... Uh, and read Galatians 3 today. Uh, if you're married, or you know somebody who is, you know that at, at, at a certain point, you feel like you've gotten off track. You feel like things just aren't as easy as they used to be. It just requires more work. And if you've given advice to somebody who's in this place, you're wise to ask them the question, Tell me about what it was like in the beginning when you were dating. Tell me about what it was like when you were first married. Take me back to what you fell in love with in the beginning. Well, it's a little bit like what Paul is doing here in Galatians 3. He says, you've gotten off track. Let me take you back to where things began so that we can get back to the way things began. The church in Galatia was in Asia Minor, uh, the modern-day Turkey. It, it wasn't anywhere near uh, the, the, the Jerusalem in Israel where uh, Christianity began. Jesus uh, came and he lived and he died and he rose again and he raised his apostles uh, and sent them out. And so it was a, uh, a, a Jewish Christian beginning that went out to the nations that was no longer just for the Jewish people but for the nations. And so Paul, a part of that ministry, went out to the church in Galatia, and he told them Jesus. All he preached to them was Jesus, the grace of Jesus, the life of Jesus, forgiveness in Jesus. And all he gave them was grace, but there was a, a, a group that we've called the Judaizers who would say that Yes, 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 Christianity, but, 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 but first you've got to convert to Judaism, then you can be a Christian. First you have to observe all of the laws of the Torah, then you can follow Christ. In the, for them it was circumcision. They were teaching that you had to be circumcised, which didn't make any sense. Paul uh, 
Paul didn't teach them any part of this, and he's wondering, how did you get so off track? How is it that you're going back to slavery? And that's something I'm going to show you, that law was slavery when it is for freedom that you've been set free. How did you get off track? We're going to read in, in Galatians 3, if you have in your Bibles, otherwise it'll be on the screen. O oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed and cruci as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being, perf are you now being perfected in the, by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. To give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to his offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one and to your offspring, who is Christ. This is what I mean. The law, which came 430 years after, uh, afterward, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it is no longer, uh, for if, if the inheritance comes by the law, it, is no, it no longer comes by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by a promise. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. And it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now an intermediary applies more than one, but God is one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the Scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. 
But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as, merc- for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all in one Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offsprings, heirs according to promise. Paul saw that there was a problem, and it was more than just foreskin, okay? The problem that they saw the problem that Paul saw in Galatia is that they began under a grace-based relationship with God, as God intended, and moved to a works-based relationship. See, Paul knew that what, however you believe your relationship is to God, whatever you believe your standing is with God, whatever you believe is Uh, the way to uh, be with God and to earn His approval and and to earn His his, uh, acceptance, however you believe that that happened will affect every part of your life. It will affect your relationships. I want to define a couple of terms. When I say grace-based relationships and I say works-based relationships, some of you guys will know what I mean. Some of you uh, grew up in a works-based family. We understand what what a works-based world looks like. We live in it. You go to a job interview, you have to first tell them uh, about all that you're capable of. You've got to talk about everything that you've done. You have to talk about everything that you plan to do and how reliable you are and how... And then you get the job. You pat yourself on the back, and now you've got to prove yourself. Now you have to live up to everything that you said you were capable of. We tell our kids when they complain about not getting enough playing time, we say, well, you, you got to earn it. If you feel like there's somebody that's, uh, that's in your way, you got to prove that you're better than they are. You have to practice harder than deserve it. In a works-based family and home, you might have gotten five A's and, an a- and one A-. minus. And what are we going to talk about at dinner? The A minus. You might have done every single one of your chores, but what are we going to talk about? You didn't uh, dump the mop bucket. That's the thing you didn't do. There's no grace. There's no encouragement. There's no uh, beginning with, I approve of you. I accept you. I love you. We're just going to talk about the one way you didn't quite reach the measure. You didn't quite reach the mark. As opposed to a grace-based relationship where you start with everything. The beginning line of a grace-based relationship is, here is my approval. Here is my acceptance. Here is my, my love and my encouragement. It's all yours before you've ever done anything. It's yours. Where a works-based relationship is at the finish line. You work and you toil and you earn and you strive. And at the end, you hope that you might get the approval in that relationship. You see, there is a, 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 a life 
that is in a grace-based relationship, when you are handed everything that you need out of that relationship right up front, there's a, there's a freedom in that. There is a, 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 a weight off of all the pressures of expectation in that relationship. We run to those types of relationships. A works-based relationship, I'm constantly asking, am I enough? Do you approve of me? In a grace-based relationship, you love me? Yeah. What if I mess up? That's okay, I love you. You approve of me? Yes. What if I make a mistake? That's okay. You want a relationship with me? Yes. What if, what if I stumble? That's okay. We've got a relationship to work that out. What kind of relationship do you think God wants with you? Grace. What kind of relationship does He approach you with? It's grace. How about the way that we approach God? Do we see that relationship as a grace-based relationship or works? Are we earning His approval? Are we earning His acceptance? I want to show you in the text how uh, this was the problem here in Galatia. The problem is that, that they were trying to earn their way. And I want to show you that we do the exact same thing. Now, not in the same way, and I recognize there's probably nobody here who grew up under the Torah and observed uh, rituals and observed uh, 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 dietary rules and had a reason why you, you uh, received a circumcision. I recognize that you did not grow up under the law, so it would be easy to approach this and say, he's not talking to me, he's talking to a group of people who were trying to follow the law instead of living under grace. But it is for us. I want to show why that's a problem. I want to, I want to show why, that, why that's bad, why, it, why the text identifies that as a curse, that a works-based relationship is a curse of your own demise, and a grace-based relationship is blessing. He starts out in chapter 3, verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians, could be interpreted idiots. Oh, you idiots. Who has tricked you? I mean, it, it, compassionately, he loves this church. He spent time with them. But, like, what happened? It's like you've been brainwashed. What changed your thinking? How is it that you began in a grace-based relationship with God and are adding law. It was before your eyes that Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this, verse 2. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? And this is like that, that counselor that asks, Tell me about how everything started. What was it like for you at first? 
I want you to think about the, the time that you first placed your faith in Jesus. What was it like? What happened? For, for me, I, I think probably like most of you, we can't really explain it. All of a sudden, I'm like, I'm really into this Jesus guy, and all of a sudden, I'm really wanting to know what God's Word is, and all of a sudden, like, I'm feeling, like, convicted about the things that I, I was doing wrong, and, and, and I want to be a different person, and, and, and there's something that's happening. I want to be around God's people. All of a sudden, I want to be at church where I used to make fun of people who go to church. What happened? That is a movement of the Spirit. Did I start by doing good things? Did I start out by earning the approval and acceptance of God? Or did something just happen to me? And that's what Paul's saying. I was there, and in, in verse 3 it says, Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? In verse 4, did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? He's saying, in the beginning, did you, did you see miracles? Did you witness God moving? Did you, did you see reconciliation in relationships? Did you see the Spirit alive in each other? Or was that based on some things that you guys were doing? Did it begin by the Spirit? Or did it begin with works? This statement in, in, in 3, and Paul is asking a series of questions, kind of like you would in a, in a courtroom argument, right? Like making point after point after point. He asked this question, are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? We, we do this, okay? I, I can think of in my 20s, um, I, was, I, I first put my faith in Jesus when I was 19 years old. And uh, before... Uh, I, I love to party. I love to hang out with friends. I love to go out drinking. Uh, it, was not, it was not an admirable life, but I like to have fun. My heart changed. I knew I loved Jesus, but there was still a part of the old me. There was a part of, of me that... that that still kind of existed, even though I knew I didn't want to be that anymore, there was still a part of me that would uh, show up from time to time. There's a, there's a process over time by which we become more and more like Christ. And in the beginning, what I did with the guilt that I would feel when I stumbled, and there were some times that I, that I would stumble, I would, I would try to prove to God how sorry I am. I would, I would pray and I would, I would get my, uh, my friends around me and I would, I would uh, uh, you know, like, uh, 
make these promises to God. I'm going to read my Bible every single day. I'm so sorry. I, would, I was trying to prove to God how sorry I was. I was trying to uh, make myself suffer, almost in kind of like a, a penance kind of way. I, would, I, I remember one of the first things I did is I took all of my CDs that I had, I had whole CD collections, and I threw them away. And, and I, I just wanted to get rid of like anything that reminded me of my, of my former self. What I was going through internally, though, my, a friend of mine pointed, pointed me to a verse that's actually just right before this in Galatians 2. Uh, right at the end of Galatians 2, it, it, Paul says this right as he's making this argument in, in, uh, in Galatians 3. It's verse 21. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. What I was doing, and he showed me this verse, what I was doing is I was nullifying the grace of God. I recognize that maybe that doesn't make, make perfect sense because what I'm doing is a good thing. I'm recognizing that it's, it's, it's wrong what I'm doing, but what, I'm, what I was doing in that moment is I was showing God that I'm grateful for his grace, I'm thankful for his forgiveness, but it wasn't quite enough. I needed to do a little bit more than what had been done on the cross to show how sorry I was. I, I needed to add to the grace that had already been given me, and what I was, what I was learning in that moment is that I was nullifying the grace of God. And then Jesus didn't even need to die. And, and, and far be it. He's reminding the Galatians that what, what did Jesus accomplish on the cross? He's reminding the, the Galatians, how is it that you began? What was the beginning of your faith? He says, did you suffer so many things in vain? This is verse 4. If indeed it was in vain... Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Did Christ suffer? Did, did Christ die in vain? Did he die for no purpose? In verse 6, he says, not only are we going to go back to the beginning of your faith, we're going, to go, we're, going to, we're going to look at the character of God. We're going to look at the character of God and go all the way back to the beginning in Genesis and, and talk about where, what is the origin of faith? What is the beginning of faith? He says, just as Abraham believed God and was counted to him as righteousness. Now, consider Abraham. We've learned about him uh, over the last couple of weeks. The Bible says that Abraham was uh, idolatrous. He was, um, he was 
chasing after false idols and uh, uh, false gods. He was not a, uh, from a good home. He was not anything special. He didn't do anything to uh, earn God's grace or God's favor. But God just came and told him he plans to bless him, and not only him, but his family and his uh, specifically through his offspring, a blessing for the entire world that would bless the entire, uh, bless every nation. And Abraham, yes, was circumcised and circumcised his family, but that was like 13 or 14 years after he believed God. So Paul is reminding the Galatians did Paul be, did, did Abraham begin with doing something to earn God's favor or to earn God's approval? Or was he given a truth and he believed it? It says that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Righteousness was given to him because of his faith. Paul is making the argument. It wasn't anything that you did. It was, it was your faith. How did you get so off track? Now, here's the problem. The problem with works, in verse 10, it says, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Curse be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. The problem with works, the problem with the law is the expectation is you have to follow all of them. If you're going to, if you're going to add law to grace, then you have to live by the entire law. If you're going to take any part of the law, you have to live by all of the law. So if it's by your effort at all, then it has to be completely by your effort. Now it is evident that, this is verse 11, now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. This is actually, he's actually showing them from the Old Testament that righteousness, our standing before God, actually comes uh, by faith, and it's always been that way. Ever since the beginning, in, in, in Genesis, as, in the very beginning, our righteousness, our standing with God, our how God views us has always been by faith. The problem with a works-based relationship is it's never enough because the standard is perfection. So how do we how do we find ourselves getting off track? How 
How do we start out so well understanding that we've been given this inheritance and then feel like we've got to earn it? It reminds me of uh, this illustration. It's you're, 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 you're flying on a plane and, uh, you know, maybe you're nervous to fly. You've got the seatbelt fastened and you're uh, climbing up. You get to cruising altitude. The pilot turns off the fastened seatbelt sign and you finally get to get up and, and walk around and you turn around and you see somebody and he's doing this. He's flapping his arms. He's sweating profusely. He's working hard. And you're like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm helping. And no, you're not. I'm helping. I'm the only reason we're in the air. And until you, you all start helping too, the airplane is going to fall out of the sky. Dude, relax. You are not keeping the airplane in the air. We do that when we, tr when we take what began as an act of the Spirit and we take over and try to do God's work for Him, it is as though we are trying to fly inside of the plane. The, the, the Christian life is a life of faith, beginning to end. The process by which you become like Christ is the process by which you first started following Christ. We began by hearing a truth and believing it. We continue by hearing the truth of God's Word and believing it. It might be helpful to give an example. At Outward Church, we uh, encourage all kinds of ways to get involved. Like, we're a family. Like, we work together. We, uh, we, we want to be together with God's people, and, and everything happens on, like, a volunteer basis, right? Just kind of like a family. Everybody's got their roles, their jobs. And so, uh, we ask, you know, everyone to be on a team. You know, what team are you on? And, and so maybe you're on the team in, in kids, the area that, uh, that, that I oversee, um, but you're there because you're concerned about what people might think about you if you didn't. I mean, you have kids, and if you don't help, then what does that look like? Maybe you're back there serving because you see the, the recognition that you get. Uh, from wearing that blue shirt and, and the, the gratitude of the people around you, maybe you have a motivation for uh, things to go well in your life. And so you, you think, as long as I go to church and as long as I, I tithe and I serve, like things are going to go well for me. The differences are so subtle, we, we, we may not even uh, be able to recognize. Doing the same job from a works-based motivation and doing the same job with a faith or a grace-based motivation. 
it looks exactly the same. But our heart motivation, our heart uh, structure is totally different. And that's why, that's why Paul wrote this letter. He was, he was concerned. He was very concerned that, that what began as a response in gratitude to what Jesus had done in their lives turned into wanting to do more. Now, it's natural to want to, get, to want to give back, but you have to recognize that in a grace-based relationship, all that you have, all of the benefits that you have in that relationship have been given to you. In a grace-based relationship, it is the only reason why we would do anything would be out of gratitude. Because of gratitude, we would, uh, we would serve. Because of gratitude, we would give. It affects all of our relationships. If, if your relationship to God is... I've got to earn it, it's going to create one of two things, pride or despair. Pride, I look around, I'm doing pretty good, better than those people or those people, and look at what I've done, look at what I've accomplished, or despair, I can't live up. I've tried so many times and I can't do it, I, I, I cannot live up to that expectation. And so it turns into despair. A grace-based relationship, when you have all of the approval and all of the acceptance, all of the encouragement, and all of the position that you would ever hope to gain, when you have that up front, our only motivation is, is gratitude, and it, and it brings us to humble joy. we need some things that we can hold on to because the problem is that it slips in. We, 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 we start to try to earn our way rather than resting in the grace that God has given us. We try to earn our way There's got to be a solution. And in, uh, in Romans, Paul gives us this, this solution. We have a thinking problem. What we need is a new mind, a new way of thinking. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what are, what are the new ways of thinking that we can apply to this problem so that we don't nullify grace, so that we don't Make it so that Jesus died for no reason. How do, we, how do we rest in his grace and walk in his grace? We've got to go back to where we started. We've got to return to grace. And Paul, Paul gives us some, some things to hold on to. In the book of Galatians, some truths to believe. He says, your faith began by hearing, hearing and believing. Hear a truth, 
believe it. That is the Christian life. It is not what you do. It is what you believe. Your, your actions are out of a response of what you believe. Hear a truth. Believe it. That is the Christian life. So one of the things that he offers is that your inheritance is the promised inheritance to Abraham. And that is Jesus. We have his spirit inside of us. And so we can be directed by, motivated by, we, we have inside of us the ability to understand what Scripture is trying to tell us. We have the ability to to see and know that what we are doing is, uh, is, is good for us or is a curse for us. We have, we have the Holy Spirit. He has given us this inheritance. All that we would ever hope to gain in our relationship with God is given to us up front. And so we respond out of gratitude for what has already been given to us. And that is incredible freedom. And he says in Galatians 5, it is for freedom that you've been set free. What incredible freedom that I don't have to earn it. I don't, there's nothing I have to do to go and earn God's favor or his approval or the approval of others. Because when we have this grace relationship with God, we can extend a grace relationship to the people around us. At the, towards the end of Galatians 5, he doesn't say, he does say that we shouldn't abuse this grace, right? All of the approval, all the acceptance, all sin, past, present, and future, We do still have to live intentionally. And he says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. And that's in Galatians 5.28. That's another thing that we can hold on to. Now, the, the, the truths of Scripture, the way that our faith is, will grow, is by getting into God's Word. When we hear a truth, every time that we hear a truth, we believe it. It begins by understanding what exactly happened in the beginning. So my challenge to you is to return, return to grace. Return back to how things began. Paul gave this statement of faith in Galatians 2.20. Right before he makes this argument in Galatians 3, he makes this declaration that's like his... His, his, his personal faith statement. You've seen this tattooed on, this is a pretty common tattoo. It's, 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 like, a, it's like this uh, foundational verse for the Christian faith, and I think it's an important one for us to memorize and have available. But hear this truth and believe it. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. 
Do we believe that? The difference is believing that. So every time that you're, you're climbing or, or striving to gain the approval of the people around you, striving or climbing or, or, or working to gain the approval of your brothers and sisters in Christ, or climbing to get to where God is so that He would finally approve of you or accept you, He wants you to know. And He wants you to believe. And He wants you to respond that you've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in you. But we're still alive, right? We're still walking in the flesh. And He says, the life I now live in the flesh... I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I want to invite the band to come up as I close. There's a difference in the way that you can read that that gets rid of anything that you would, you would offer up to God as a part of what you have done in your salvation or what you have done to gain God's approval or acceptance. We can read that differently when we say, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me, if there's a part that we had in it, a part that we had in the beginning, or if we're trying to do any part of it in the middle or, or, or now, then we have something to boast about. He died for me, and he gave himself up for me. He was thinking about me. And the more I realize I don't deserve that and didn't deserve that. I'm blown away by the grace that he gave me every part of the relationship. He's not holding anything back. He gave every part of you. Pray with me. Jesus, we thank you for your grace. We praise you for your grace. Help us to live and walk in your grace. You have accomplished all on the cross. And you have forgiven every sin and given us every power to walk by your Spirit. You have given us your Spirit. Help us to keep in step with your Spirit. We love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.